Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Human Performance Outliers podcast with Zach Bitter. If you enjoy this podcast and wish to support either monetarily or by sharing, liking, and subscribing, please head over to zachbitter.com forward slash HPO for options, which include joining my Patreon page, making a quick one-time donation, which includes options to avoid the need of joining a third-party platform, or subscribing to HPO on your favorite podcast listening or viewing platform. You can also support HPO through the show sponsors. Details on all the discounts and promotions from HPO show sponsors can be found at zachbitter.com forward slash HPO sponsors. That link as well as the others can also be found in the show notes. Show sponsors for this episode include my friends at Element, and they want to hook up the HPO listeners with some of their great electrolyte supplements. Element makes an electrolyte supplement with no sugar. Each packet is loaded with 1,000 milligrams of sodium, 200 milligrams of potassium, and 60 milligrams of magnesium. They come in convenient single-serve packets that make them great for bringing along for a run, a hike, to the gym, or while traveling. Personally, I like to use a single packet with about two liters of fluid. So I'll mix that up and sip on it throughout the course of the day or during some of my longer, warmer runs or if I'm at the gym and I'm going to need a little bit of fluid to get me through the workout. I will actually be using their citrus flavor this week at my 100-mile race, the Tunnel Hill 100-mile. So for the cost of $5 shipping, you can get an eight-flavor sample pack from Element for free and see what you think. If you want to check them out and support HPO along the way, you can head over to drinklmnt.com forward slash HPO. Links can be found in the show notes and at zachbetter.com forward slash HPO sponsors. Link can also be found in the show notes or by heading over to the show sponsor page, which is zachbetter.com forward slash HPO sponsors. Also sponsoring this episode is my friends at Bioptimizers and their product Breakthrough Magnesium. It is the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium. There are actually seven unique forms of magnesium, and you must get all of them if you want to experience its calming, sleep-enhancing effects. I take two of the capsules before bed at night. That's why I recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. As always, Bioptimizers offers their 360-day money-back guarantee, so you can try them at try them out risk-free and see for yourself if they work for you. You can head over to bioptimizers.com forward slash human and enter promo code HUMAN10, that's H-U-M-A-N-1-0, to get 10% off your next order. The link and promo is in the show notes and also at zachbitter.com forward slash HPO sponsors. All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of the Human Performance Outliers podcast. And I will be joining you today for a solo podcast episode uh, to go over a few few topics uh, that are both interesting to me and that have kind of flown in through social media channels and questions I've gotten. So kind of with the format that we've been using here, I've been giving a bit of a training update, kind of what's new with me and jumping into a couple uh, questions that I've gotten, uh, dropping a challenge workout for you all, and then giving a sample day of training and nutrition from my side of things. So 
For this one, the big training update is that I actually have gotten to a point where I'm feeling comfortable enough to test out uh, my right ankle more or less than anything on a race. So for those who've been following along a bit back at the end of July, I injured my right ankle doing some training for what was going to be a big project of running from San Francisco to New York. Uh, the injury was significant enough where I had to you know, take about three weeks off and ultimately like gradually get back into running while rehabbing and strengthening that ankle. And it was just, the timing was, was terrible for being able to try to do a project as big as that. So I had to postpone it. And the uniqueness of that project is ideally you start it in September from web for weather purposes, just so you're not hitting rough spots during rough times of the year and that sort of stuff. So it just made a lot more sense with everyone involved myself included to wait for another year and hit that window again. But uh, what that has done is given me a bit of an opportunity to have the door open for a race this year. And I guess I was probably a little skeptical that I would get to that point it, that it would be feel good enough or that things would progress fast enough. So I was more optimistic about maybe targeting something early in 2022 on the racing front. But uh, everything went about as good as I could have ever imagined, both with the ankle strengthening, the rehab stuff, everything that went along with that. The gradual buildup felt really good just from the training side of things, independent of my ankle altogether. Uh, it may have just been kind of a nice break for my body to get about three solid weeks completely off and then kind of start from square one and build back up slowly. So things went really smoothly in training. I kind of went through my typical phases of working on things that are either non-specific to hundred mile racing and some possible weaknesses kind of earlier in the plan. And then kind of gradually moving more and more towards the stuff I'm going to actually use during a hundred mile race. So when you're thinking about you know, running all day long, obviously there's an intensity threshold you want to try to stay underneath so that you're not finding yourself running really fast in the beginning and really slow at the end. Uh, so I'm going to highlight a little bit of that final buildup uh, that I did where I'm really focusing mostly on hundred mile specifics. So during that, I'm going to just highlight the final four weeks that I did. And then a couple of workouts that maybe I thought were kind of good indications that, uh, that I'm ready to go more or less. So the four weeks that I'll highlight were 124 miles, 115 miles, 132 miles, and 129 miles respectively. And kind of the goal within those four weeks or that final block was to run a pretty good chunk of that at or faster than my hundred mile pace or hundred mile intensity, I should say. And the way that I kind of look at that is when I say, or faster, there's a limit there. Uh, cause I mean, essentially I could go and do short intervals and that'd be faster than my hundred mile intensity, but I'm trying to avoid going too fast. Basically the idea is if I go too fast for some of those and start stretching well below my hundred mile intensity, I put myself in a position where I could potentially be taking off future workouts that would give me more volume specifically at that hundred mile intensity. So I try to be kind of careful and honest with myself there. I would say overall, I probably skewed a little faster, uh, for whatever reason, I felt a lot fresher for this buildup, this final block than I historically have when training for hundred miles. So maybe that had something to do with it. My overall volume was maybe a pinch lower. 
I did do a fair bit more strength work and stuff. So in terms of time training, it might've been pretty equivalent, but total miles on flat surfaces is maybe a little under, uh, not by a ton though. Uh, I think historically about 150 miles, I'll usually get in a couple times during a final buildup. So I wasn't too far off from that. And having four consistent weeks in a row like that was a pretty solid build. So in those, I'll highlight kind of where I tart or where I actually hit that metric of hundred mile intensity or faster. Uh, that 124 mile week was 101 uh, miles at that. Uh, the 115 mile week was 67. The 132 mile week was 93, and the 129 mile week was 97. So another kind of metric I kind of try to get to, and this is a little more specific to me and just what I've seen kind of correlate with races that I've done well at when we're talking about flat controllable hundred milers is if I can get a couple weeks where I'm like right around a hundred miles at that hundred mile intensity or slightly faster, that's a good sign to me, especially if they happen back to back weeks, it's a pretty good indication to me that I'm ready for like the, both the distance and the intensity to be able to run what I would consider a, a pretty even strong race. So that was kind of like the big overreaching goal there. I did have a few kind of speed checks in there where during that four week block, there'd be a mile here or there where I'd feel really good be close enough to the end of the run. And I'd feel kind of confident, maybe dropping my pace down a little bit and dipped under a six minute mile pace, which is quite a bit faster than my hundred mile pace. Uh, but I didn't string a ton of them together. So I wasn't too worried on days where I felt really good. Uh, for those curious, my fastest hundred miler, I averaged a 648 minute per mile pace. That includes stopping time. When you take that out, I'm probably a little closer to like the low 640 in terms of like how fast I'm actually moving at any given time. It was done on a track where, you know, you find yourself in lane two and three. So there might've been a little bit more to, to shave off that. So I try to kind of work that into the pacing strategy when I'm running out there to think about like moving time and actual distance uh, versus just the clean actual split that shows up on the results at the end of the day, because ultimately I'm going to have to be moving at that intensity in a lot of races. Cause it's pretty rare where you actually run a hundred miles like square on, um, uh, one other workout I did kind of at the very end was a 10 mile run where I did average under six minute pace. I averaged, I think it was about five fifty six per mile. And within that, I had a, a three mile tempo in there where I averaged five ten per mile. So that was a pretty good indication for me. Oftentimes my tempo runs are a little closer to like a five twenty pace, uh, maybe a little bit under maybe like five fifteen. So I'm actually maybe a little bit ahead of that. I guess like if there's any indication there, I mean, there's one workout, so you can't put any too much weight in any one workout, but if anything, it just shows that possibly I have a little bit more of a speed reserve going into this hundred miler than I've had at the end, or possibly just, I had a little less fatigue in my legs for that workout than I would normally at this point in my training. Uh, but all said, uh, I, I made a post on my Instagram page not too long ago when I, when I announced that I was going to be doing the tunnel hill hundred mile this Saturday, that I kind of found this balance between feeling very fit and it showing up in the results too. It wasn't just like, oh, I feel great, but it's because I haven't trained very hard. And that's why my legs are feeling fresh because the, the data is there and it's on my Strava page if you want to check out some of the specifics. Uh, but I also feel that uh, with that, um, that freshness, I feel really confident. So it's kind of a, maybe the best combination of those two things that I've experienced going into the race. 
obviously the race will tell the full story, but, but, uh, going into it, I'm, I'm confident that I'm both ready and, uh, not overcooked, which is always a good sign when you're going to be out there running all day long in terms of goals with tunnel Hill, I would say like my biggest concerns obviously are testing out my ankle. I haven't run a uh, hundred miles or any ultra marathon since, uh, since I injured it. So that will be something where uh, I'll be curious to see kind of how it responds to something like a hundred mile race. Uh, the last race I actually did was back in April at the USATF hundred mile road championships. So in terms of race frequency, this has been a very light year. I'll normally do like six, maybe even eight ultra marathons in a year with a good portion of those being kind of B level races where I'm not going to necessarily run as hard as I can, but I'm using them as like really high quality long runs. But uh, this is a really light year regardless. So, uh, that you can look at that two different ways. One is obviously I have to lean on past experiences and just the length of time that I've been in the sport, my, what my training is telling me in order to actually execute the logistics of the race properly and the pacing and stuff without a lot of prior experience from this season. Uh, the, uh, the, the positive way to look at it or the optimistic way to kind of come about it is, I probably have fresher legs from not doing as many races too. So, uh, time will tell and we'll find out. It'll be a lot of fun. I think to test things out, uh, at the, at tunnel Hill, I do think based on the fact that I have done this race before I actually ran this, this race in 2018 and ran 12 hours and eight minutes, uh, for those curious, it's a rails to trails course, meaning that they took an old railroad bed and basically put a, like a gravel crushed limestone path there. So there's a little bit of loose footing with that crushed limestone compared to like pavement or track. There's a little bit of a hill. It's called the tunnel hill. So there's this, this tunnel you go through as you're going up this hill uh, that lasts maybe two or three miles. The way the course is structured is there's there's two out and backs and you do each of them twice for the hundred miles. So I'll go out and back in one direction, which totals about 26 miles, a little over. Then I'll go out and back the other direction, which ends up being a little over 23 miles. And then you do both of those twice. So that second out and back, the shorter of the two has the one with the hill on it. The other one is basically pancake flat the whole way. And that hill, since it's on a rails to trails, I think if I remember right, railroad beds are like, they, don't let you go much more than about 2% incline. So it's not steep in regards to what people would consider steep, especially in the trail running community and certainly the mountain running community compared to a 400 meter track. Obviously anything is more than, or anything is steeper than that. So there's a little bit of variance there. The thing I like about it is you finish coming down that hill. So I'll go up that second out and back for this, that, that second out and back for the second time, go up that hill I believe it's around like the, in the 80, the low 80 mile range, but then I turn around and come back down that to finish. So when I just looked at my performance from 2018 and like what went well and what didn't go well, I would say I had a, a good performance there, a fairly solid day, but it was a pretty good stretch away from how I felt when I felt like I've really nailed hundred milers in the past. Uh, so I know that there's a fair bit of time that I can make up on that course just by correcting some very correctable mistakes that I made that day. And for that, I'm excited. I'm excited to go back there and see if I can kind of do it a little better this time around. The other thing I'm interested in too, and I think I mentioned this in the last solo podcast was that, uh, the last five or six years has just been kind of a little bit more of a turbulent time in 
flat running in general. This hasn't been an issue on very trained trails so much, but shoe technology has improved so much. And uh, to date, I've only been able to use it once at the USATF 100 Mile Road Championships. And I had a really hard time really like judging how well it worked or didn't work because it was like 94 degrees that day. So there was like, I just, no one was going to run up very fast time. It wasn't very comparable to say like the 60 degrees that I had in the Pettit center in 2019, when I ran 11 hours and 19 minutes for a hundred miles. So this might be my first chance to really gauge how much that shoe technology is going to be, is going to move the needle on my finishing time more or less. So I have, uh, I have a, a prototype by my sponsor ultra that'll be using that, that shoe's going to be coming out in early 2022. It has been approved by world athletics to be able to be used in competition. So it's been cleared for, for usage in that. And uh, I've been able to use a little bit in training and training indicates that the technology works pretty close to what they're saying. I mean, when, when Nike first released this technology or had prototypes in this technology for their athletes back in 2016, I think they were estimating around a 4% uh, efficiency. So advantage with that. So uh, who knows, like we'll find out on Saturday and I'll, I'll definitely be doing a podcast reporting on like how my perceived effort felt at various paces compared to previous years and uh, try to tease out as much as I can for everyone, what that maybe is from the shoe versus just, you know, a unique day. Uh, so that's that, that's my kind of training update, my race announcement. And, uh, next time you hear from me on here, hopefully I'll have some, some fun stories to share about that. Uh, now I want to jump into some listener questions that kind of came in. So some folks responded to a Twitter thread that I put up. This is a few weeks ago at this point, And I hit on three of the questions from that thread last episode, but there were some other great ones on there that I didn't add to it. So I'm going to jump, I'm jumped back on that thread and grab some of those questions off of there that I thought would be worth talking about. Uh, so we're going to do two of them today. The first one comes in from David Sanger, and he was curious about warm up and cool down just kind of understanding like what is the purpose of a warm up and cool down uh, what's actually happening with those just give us some more details on that because basically anyone who's training for an endurance event or fitness in general they're oftentimes going to be doing some sort of warm up and cool down that is going to kind of bookend the the specific workout they're doing or the goal they have for that day so the way i like to call the way i like to describe it is for like a warm up you're essentially closing the gap between rest and the workout intensity. So think of it this way. If I were to go out and do short intervals, those are high intensity. They're fast. They're hard. So if I were just to get up off the couch and go out and start doing those, it'd be a pretty abrupt change. So you kind of want to give your body a chance to kind of catch up to that or close that gap. So the way I like to look at it is like a nice, easy jog is going to kind of start that process. Your heart rate is going to start to elevate your blood's going to start pumping, your blood pressure is going to change. And then that's going to kind of get you ready to take another step in intensity. If I'm doing something that's like really short intervals, I might try to close that intensity further by doing some strides or some accelerations in there, just so I'm not going from even like a really easy pace to a really hard pace abruptly. Uh, so that's kind of the purpose of the warm up. The cool down is kind of similar, but a little different in that you're still closing the gap between the workout intensity and rest. Uh, but what we're looking at there 
is it kind of allows for this gradual recovery of your pre-exercise heart rate and blood pressure. So they're not just like abruptly dropping that. Uh, we definitely need more research about the cool downs being beneficial for like stiffness and soreness at present. It doesn't appear that it does that need it makes a difference with that, but a lot of runners will anecdotally report, like if they do a hard workout and just stop that they're stiffer, tighter, and, and maybe more sore, it, you know, gets really messy when you're dealing with like those kind of personal report type stuff. And I, it doesn't seem like the data supports that, but with that said, I think like there's maybe something to like the easy running, just kind of getting some blood flow down to the area and, and working some of that stiffness out. Personally, I think like doing an easy jog, maybe later that day or that next morning is going to be something that's going to loosen you up a little bit better than maybe even the cool down would. Uh, so I would almost put, if you're going to look at it for those purposes, Hey, if you feel better from it for that reason, I'm not going to knock you for that for certain. It kind of the same thing with stretching, right? Like there's some there, if you're doing like static stretching, there isn't a lot of great research that says like, Oh, this is going to really improve uh, your performance or things like that. But if someone is tight and stiff and stretching makes them feel better and feel like they're easier to move around when they're doing their day-to-day stuff, or it's easier for them to get started in their, on their, on their run, I would take that individual piece of information and use it appropriately if it's going to make your life better and it's going to make your workout feel better and you enjoy it more. Hey folks, just a reminder, this episode's sponsors include Bioptimizers Breakthrough Magnesium and you can get 10% off and a 365-day money-back guarantee as well as Element Electrolytes offering a free 8-serving sample pack. Head to the show notes or to zachbitter.com forward slash HPO sponsors for links and details. All right, our next question comes in from Tim Busby. And Tim asks, what tools or apps do you use to track your daily intake of carbs, fat, protein, etc.? Also, are you really strict about this tracking or manage it more by estimate and feel? This is a great question, Tim. So the way I like to look at it is for me personally, like I've gone through a variety of different phases during the year in terms of kind of what my target macronutrient ratios are going to be. So like I'm targeting different ranges when I'm in off season versus kind of my early stage base building phase, short interval, long interval, tempo run phases, and then ultimately like hundred mile specific training phases. I kind of have different like percentages that I'm typically aiming for in there. So usually when I'm entering a new phase, like going from off season into base building or base building into short intervals, short intervals into mod or long intervals and tempo run type stuff. Uh, I'll be tracking maybe strictly for a little bit in the beginning, just to kind of recalibrate that. But once I kind of get into a rhythm, I don't feel like I really need to track anymore. I can kind of do it intuitively. And that's usually the way I like to teach people to do it in it, it can be individual. Some people really get a lot of like comfort and peace of mind from saying, okay, I've got my spreadsheet or I got my tracking app. I put this down, I just check it off and they get that, uh, they get that satisfaction from that. And that gives them that peace of mind. They stress less when they're doing it that way. If that's you track everything you want like that. Then that's probably the mode for you. For me personally, I get curious about it for maybe like a week or so. And then I get bored by it. And by then I already kind of know, so I can kind of intuitively do it. And then I just switch to kind of knowing, and I eat consistently enough when I'm at home cooking for myself that 
that I just don't really need to be like, say, tracking the exact same meal ate the day before again, the next day, you, you get really good at recognizing that stuff. Uh, but there's a ton of trackers out there that, uh, that can be used for these, for these type of things. If you're interested in, in kind of jumping, jumping into that, there's an app that I typically use called chronometer. And what it lets you do is it lets you kind of plug in all the foods you ate throughout the course of the day. It gives you a breakdown of where your macronutrient ratios are. It gives you all your micronutrients, whether you're hitting your ranges or short on something. So that is another thing I will use that for. Uh, I'll run kind of my, my typical go-to foods through there and the quantities in which I'm eating them just to see like, Hey, am I like really low in a certain nutrient that I want to make sure I kind of like find another food to add to my list of things that I'm going to eat on a routine basis to maybe bolster it up a bit and kind of see where my strengths and weaknesses are at the micronutrient level, as well as where my macronutrient ratios are. And chronometer allows us to do all that. You can customize stuff by putting it in there, or you can just grab from their large database from other users who've entered things or companies that have put their products in there and their, in their nutrition profile in there. Uh, so that's the one I've been kind of using for those things and, and, and leaning on that for the most part, but great question, Tim. All right. So now we are at the challenge yourself workout. So if you've listened to some of my solo podcasts recently, you'll know, I've been throwing out some challenge workouts for folks just to give you something to maybe try if you've never done it before. Uh, and you know, go out and experience something different, or if you are kind of training similar to what the challenge is test where you're at, give yourself a little bit of a benchmark and see kind of where your progress is currently. So for this one, I'm moving a little bit away from the higher intensity stuff or the strength stuff from the prior to the last two, we did some short intervals and then we did a plank test. So some core work in the gym and then one kind of a short interval, higher intensity type workout. This one, we're kind of moving uh, into the easier pace or the cardio world a little bit here, or I like to say, for this particular one up to, but underneath your moderate intensity. So maybe that high end of easy pace is maybe a way to kind of think about it. I'm going to give you some descriptors and some ways to gauge this if you're, if you need it. Uh, but I'll run through kind of the, the challenge duration first. So for beginners, we're going to target 30 to 45 minutes, moderate 45 to 60 minutes and advanced 65 to 90 minutes. And this is the description. So this pace that you're going to go out there, you can run, you can hike, you can walk, whatever it takes to hit this intensity is totally fine. Some people might have to run to do it. Some people might have to walk to do it. And then everywhere in between. So just be honest with yourself and go out there, enjoy the workout, get this assessment to see where you're at. And if you want to keep adding it and do more to improve it, or maintain it, or just throw it out and never do it again, totally up to you. So this is a comfortable but up to the point where if you went any faster, you would enter a moderate level of intensity. You should not feel like you need to focus very hard to carry this pace. You should be able to carry on a multi-sentence conversation without losing your breath. Your breathing should not feel labored at this intensity for individuals targeting like a maximum aerobic function. This would be like the upper limits of this intensity lining up with that. The upper end of this intensity should be close to your aerobic threshold. If pushing up to the higher end of this intensity, your heart rate begins to feel a little bit labored or forced, it is recommended to kind of shift down a little bit. So if you do feel like you're not able to say string together a couple sentences without losing your breath, then that might be a sign that you should kind of just peel back on the intensity a little bit. 
if you're using a heart rate, you might want to target between like say 70 and 80% of your max heart rate. If you have that number, or if you know what your lactate threshold heart rate is around 81 to 90% of that, you can also calculate this by subtracting 20 to 30 beats per minute from your lactate threshold heart rate. So some of those other final metrics, maybe for the folks who've kind of been through this before, and they kind of know this intensity a little bit or use these tools, tools in the past. Uh, so there you go. I'd love to hear folks. I've had a few people report back on some of the other challenges. So if you do it, let me know on social media and I'd be happy to help you out with any of the stuff with it. All right. One final thing before we take off for this one, which is my sample day. So for those who've been following along the sample day, basically I highlight a workout that I did for a day or workouts and then highlight the nutrition that I did with it. So if you listen to all of them, you might get an idea of kind of like what I tend to kind of skew towards on days where I do like higher intensity workouts, modern intensity workouts, easy recovery days, uh, strength work focus days, things like that. So this particular workout, I would put in kind of the moderate or high end to moderate category. It was, uh, in the AM, my run was 10 miles. And I did it in 59 minutes, 41 seconds. And it came out to be a 556 per mile pace overall within that run from miles five to mile eight, I did a three mile tempo run, which came out to a 516 for the first mile, a 506 for the second and a 510 for the final mile. Uh, and that's minutes per mile. And then in the PM or the afternoon, I did some strength work, which I was following this. I've been following this program called the zero program that a guy named Ben Patrick, or for those of you who follow his stuff, probably know him as knees over toes guy. And he put together this zero program that I found really useful for both just strengthening kind of the muscles around my knee, as well as my ankle. And obviously my ankle has been a big focus of mine. So a few of these movements have just been ones I keep coming back to throughout this process. If you're really interested, I actually have put up a couple of videos on my Instagram account of doing two of these the, within that program, but the zero program has essentially nine different movements in it. And Ben Patrick's website uh, at ATG is got like such good information on this. It doesn't just give you the workout. He like walks you through, it gives you the how and why, gives you a, shows you a video, explains kind of what to think about if you're just starting or if you're advanced and how to progress through. And it's just a great resource tool. Uh, but the nine movements that I had within that program are tibialis raise, FHL calf raises, knee over toe calf raise, a Patrick step, ATG split squat, elephant walk, L sit, and couch stretch. So those are kind of the, the, the nine movements within that program that I did that afternoon for that day, the nutrition that goes alongside it, uh, pre-run when I woke up in the morning, I had a cup of coffee with two scoops of S fuel life. And I went out for the run. When I got back, my post run meal was eight eggs, two medium sized potatoes, salsa, four ounce, sharp cheddar cheese, and some sauerkraut. Later that afternoon, I had a snack, which was one cup of yogurt, half a S Fuels Life Bar and one packet of Athletic Greens. For dinner that night, I had 12 ounces of salmon, two cups of boiled broccoli, two ounces of olive oil, two ounces of feta cheese, and one cup of boiled beets and sea salt. So there you have it. It's a sample day workout and nutrition. And uh, that does it for this uh, solo episode of the Human Performance Outliers, Outliers podcast. Thanks a bunch for tuning in. If, um, if you want to support the show, you can 
head over to my website at zachbitter.com forward slash HPO. I have all the details of all the episodes on there, uh, links to ways you can support the show. And then if you do happen to like one of the sponsors that supports the show, you can also support me by uh, checking out their products. And you can see the list of those at zachbitter.com forward slash HPO sponsors. Thank you. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Human Performance Outliers podcast with Zach Bitter. All right, folks, if you are interested in adding some structure to your training program, I have some options that might interest you. Over on my website, ZachBitter.com, I have a wide range of ready-made plans that have options for beginners to advanced endurance athletes. I also have personalized plan options where I will cater a plan specific to the event you are preparing for and your personal schedule and training availability. You can also access a variety of add-on options from email collaboration to consultation calls to help guide you through your training and nutrition needs. You can access these with or without a formal plan. So head over to ZachBitter.com and let me know what you think.